Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world begins the great season of Advent. And it is a period of waiting, but it's also a period of preparation to renew our love and our faith in God. Now, an essential part of this preparation process is penance. We recognize there are some things in our life that prevent us from fully welcoming God into our life, especially at Christmas time. Therefore, Advent has, you could say, a penitential characteristic about it. When you stop and think, we are waiting during the season of Advent to welcome Jesus Christ at Christmas. Then we have to realize there's something that we need to be saved from, and that is our sinfulness. We need a Savior. That's why we have that classic story, you could say an icon of the Advent season, is that song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and Ransom Captive Israel. Well, the Israelites realize they are held captive, they are held hostage because of their sinfulness. Therefore, a ransom must be paid in order for them to be set free. Well, we recognize that to ourselves during this great season of Advent. That's why we sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, O Come, God, and Ransom Us, from our captivity of sin. Well, we recognize, just like the Israelites, we are held captive. We are held hostage by our own sinfulness. What's the ransom to be paid? The only ransom that can free us is Jesus Christ, his birth into this world, and ultimately his death and resurrection. That's the price that is paid for us to be freed from sin and death. And that's what we sing about in that song. That's why it is such an icon of the season of Advent. Now, what's the worst thing that could happen to us? Our own self-denial. If we take on the attitude of, I'm okay, you're okay, hey, we're all okay. Well, if that's true, if we're all okay, then we are no need of a Savior. We don't need saving. We can save ourselves. Well, that's rubbish. We are in need of a Savior. And that's what we recognize in this season of Advent. A few weeks ago, I read an article that compared the 12-step recovery program that was synonymous to the Advent spirituality. In the 12-step recovery program, the only way a person can begin to recover is if they hit bottom. Now, hitting bottom comes in many different forms. If your addiction is gambling, well, hitting bottom may be bankruptcy. If your addiction is eating, then bottoming out is anorexia, or maybe your addiction is drinking, bottoming out, organ failure of your liver and your pancreas. Nonetheless, it's a cold and sobering shock of reality. A person's addiction renders them powerless. Once they hit bottom, they realize the hard reality 
that they have a problem and they can't deal with it on their own. They are in need of a higher power. And when the person comes to this knowledge, that's when they begin to recover. We'll apply this to the spiritual life during the season of Advent. During Advent, we become aware of our sinfulness, and we realize we cannot get out of our sinfulness on our own. We need a higher power. We need God in our life. And that's who we turn to during this season. What do we have to do? During this Advent season, we have to turn ourselves over to God. And in doing so, then we will be truly prepared to receive and celebrate Jesus' birthday at Christmas. Now, with that in mind, turn to the first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah here gives us a great picture of the human condition. Now, this is very appropriate. In fact, this first reading sets the tone as we begin this great season of Advent. In fact, Isaiah himself, next to John the Baptist, they are the icons of the season of Advent. In the next four weeks, we are going to be hearing from Isaiah and his prophecies about the Savior, Jesus Christ, who is to come and save us all. As I mentioned, the first reading is perfect. It's very appropriate as we begin the season of Advent. Now, as I've said many times, in order for us to fathom and appreciate the readings, we have to understand the whole context in which it is set in. Right now, Isaiah is writing as he and the rest of the Israelites are living in the midst of the Babylonian exile. Essentially, the Babylonians have invaded and crushed the Israelites. They've come to Jerusalem, the capital city, and laid it to waste. Worse yet, the temple, the most sacred place in all of Israel, has been looted and destroyed by the Babylonians. All the things that once contributed to the Israelites' identity as a people and as a nation under God is now destroyed. It's lying in ruins. The people themselves are carried away, living as slaves in Babylon, which is present-day Iraq. Now, it raises some very serious questions. How could God allow this? The Israelites were God's chosen people, a holy nation, draw all nations back to God. And yet, now the country is in ruins. The people are living in a foreign country as slaves. How could God allow this? Well, with all this background, now we can go into the first reading. Now it begins to make some sense. Isaiah, in the first reading, he is praying. And he's praying with a great deal of remorse. Because he knows that the Israelites' infidelity to God led to this situation, to them living as slaves in their city in ruins. Now notice how the first reading begins. Why do you let us wander, O Lord, from your ways, and harden our hearts, so that we fear you not? Now, what is vital in the spiritual life is that we always walk the path that leads to God. If we walk that path, then we'll experience good spiritual health. When do we struggle in the spiritual life? When we get off that beaten path, then we are lost. Now, stay with that good analogy is when we are physically lost. Now, many of us have been lost at some point in time in our life, whether as an adult or a child. We've been lost maybe in a shopping mall and we can't find our parked car. 
Maybe we've been lost in a city that we've never been in. We've taken a wrong turn and now we don't know where we are. Nonetheless, it's a frightening feeling. It's not good. Panic sets in. Our heart begins to race. Our mouth goes dry. We become nauseated. And we realize we are in serious trouble. Well, now apply that to the spiritual life. When sin leads us off the beaten path, we do become lost. We don't know where we're going. Therefore, during this season of Advent, we must recognize, just like Isaiah does in the first reading, we need a Savior. We need a Savior to guide us back to the path that leads always to him. Notice Jesus, some of the titles he gives himself. I am the good shepherd. I call to my sheep. They hear my voice and they follow me. Or, I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me for you to have eternal life. Well, Advent is a time in which Jesus calls out to us. He helps us get back on the right path so that we have good spiritual health. It's kind of like getting directions. If we're lost, we find a person that helps us to find good directions, to get back on where we want it to go. And then once we find our car, once we find that interstate sign, then we feel a sense of relief. We feel a sense of calm and peace. Well, that's what Jesus wants to give us during this season of Advent. Now, Isaiah continues. He says, We have hardened our hearts against you, our God. Well, anatomically speaking, the heart is at the very center of our life. The heart is the most critical organ in our body that sustains life. That's where God wants to be, wants to exist and take up residence. And yet the Israelites, their hearts are hardened because of their sinfulness and so hard that God cannot penetrate their hearts. What we have to realize, our God is a God that isn't satisfied with just accomplishing the mission, saving us in the world and then leaving and going back into heaven. Our God is a God that wants to stay with us. He wants to take up residence at the very center of our life. Christ doesn't want to be on the periphery, competing with all the myriad of different things that seek our time and our attention in our life. No, Christ wants to be at the very center of our life. And why not? He deserves it. Isaiah continues. He says, Oh, that you rend the heavens and come down. Well, now it's a prayer of frustration and even anger. We can only imagine Isaiah holding up his arms and saying, Lord, when are you going to come and help us? Well, most of us have probably said those same words ourselves, felt those same feelings. We've experienced that anguish in times of struggle, regardless of what it would be. Maybe depression, anxiety, maybe poor health, a strained marriage or relationship. Sometimes we, like Isaiah, have prayed with frustration. Notice too, Isaiah continues. He says, you have hidden your face from us. That speaks volumes of how desperate Isaiah and Israelites are. They feel a sense of hopelessness. And yet, here's the most important part of Isaiah's prayer. And it's at the very end. In the midst of all their anguish, there's a prayer of hope. Isaiah says, Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you the potter. We are the work of your hands. First, he refers to God as Father. And so do we. That's a term of intimacy. 
And that's what God desires for us. Every time we pray, we pray, Our Father, Abba. And so it's a term of intimacy when we pray. That's why God sees us as his children. More to it, when Isaiah is praying here, he prays with faith. And he tells us, I don't know when God is going to help us. I don't know how God is going to help us. But I do know with faith, God will help us. And that's a powerful lesson for us all. In the midst of our challenges, even in the midst of our anguish, if we have faith, we will also have hope. Hope that God will always be with us. He will never abandon us. He will help us to persevere and we will be rescued. And that's a great message that Isaiah gives us. One last thing to think about. Notice what Isaiah says. We are the clay and you are the potter. Well, clay is always shaped and molded. And the image is of God being the potter. Well, we are that clay. Now, anyone who's ever worked with clay knows it's not easy. It's very time-consuming and it's very hands-on work. The potter must always have his hands on that clay to form and shape that clay into whatever image he wants to have. Well, it's a great image for us during the season of Advent. We have to see ourselves as the clay and allow God's hands to form us. Every time we pray, every time we come to Mass, every time we engage stewardship at our parish, we allow God's hands to come upon us, to touch us and shape us and mold us into the image and likeness we were all created in, the image and likeness of God. Friends, today we begin Advent, and we begin it with Isaiah, the icon of this season. His message is powerful. It's a message of hope. It's also a message of the human condition and what sin can do for us. But with faith, God gives us the hope that he will rescue us. What must we do? Be that clay. Allow God's hands to be upon us during the season of Advent to form and fashion us into the image of his love and his grace. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ Rest upon you always.